This Washington Post Live podcast is sponsored by Justice Action Network. Justice Action Network is the largest bipartisan organization working to reform the justice system at the federal level and across the country. You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. With the fate of a major bipartisan criminal justice reform bill hanging in the balance on Capitol Hill, two of the bill's co-sponsors, Senators Dick Durbin and Chuck Grassley, chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, joined the Washington Post on Tuesday, December 4th, to discuss the likelihood that Congress will move forward with a vote on the proposed law before the end of the year. Other speakers, including Governor Tom Wolf of Pennsylvania, as well as supporters and opponents of federal and state criminal justice reform measures, highlighted important debates around reform of mandatory minimum sentencing, the country's bail system, police community relations, and other key issues on the nation's criminal justice agenda. In this segment, Senators Chuck Grassley and Dick Durbin discuss the latest news on the First Step Act, bipartisan criminal justice reform legislation endorsed by President Trump, which may still make its way to the Senate floor before the year is over. Let's listen. Good morning. I'm Robert Costa, national political reporter here at The Washington Post, and I'm glad to be joined by two senior members of the Senate Judiciary Committee, a former trial lawyer and senator from Illinois, Dick Durbin, he sits on the Subcommittee on Crime and Terrorism and the Chairman, Charles Grassley of Iowa. Please welcome them. Thank you. Let's get right into it. Chairman, is the President's priority for this lame duck in December criminal justice reform or not? Uh, you just heard it. And at, I was at that news conference. He's very strong for it. And let me suggest to you, we wouldn't have a ghost of a chance, number two. One, if the son-in-law and advisor to the president, Jerry Kushner, hadn't worked hard for it, and now uh, the president is behind it. And it seems to me that we have an opportunity to deliver, number one, something that's very bipartisan, as you can see here, pre-conference with the House of Representatives, so it can quickly go through that. Uh, And it gives Republicans an opportunity to deliver a bipartisan victory for the President of the United States. And I don't know why any Republican leader or any Republican member of the Senate uh, wouldn't be uh, pleased to be able to deliver uh, uh, something bipartisan that the President supports. Just a quick follow-up, Chairman. You mentioned Jared Kushner, the President's son-in-law. Many Republicans and conservatives see him as pretty liberal. Is his association with this legislation actually helpful? Uh, two things happened after the president was elected because I don't think anybody expected this bill to go anyplace with a tough uh, Trump as he uh, exhibited himself. So I went to Senator Durbin and I said, if you're willing to go start where we left off last Congress, I'm willing to do it. I don't know whether Senator Durbin believed me or not, but we're here today, so you know he eventually ended up there. The second one was the first opportunity I had to be in the Oval Office. I had never met Jared Kushner before, but I went up to him with a 30-second conversation, and I said, "Uh, I hear you're interested in criminal justice reform. If you are, could I talk to you? And he said, give me a call. Senator Durbin, 
there's a lot of assumptions right now about criminal justice reform on the Democratic side, that most Senate Democrats are with this proposal. But reporters, we don't like assumptions. Is it true? Are you really confident that all Senate Democrats are with this? <laughs> I'm a whip, and I count votes, and I would never predict unanimous vote on our caucus side. But I will tell you, our support is solid and overwhelming majority. Uh, I hope we can deliver all of them. Because many of the members of my caucus feel as I do. You don't often hear a member of Congress start a speech by saying, let me tell you about the worst vote I ever cast. But the worst vote I ever cast was about 30 years ago. It was the 100 to 1 crack to powder cocaine vote. And I have come to regret that ever since. Eight years ago, I sat down with a fellow named Jeff Sessions, the, the senator from Alabama. And we came up between us, incidentally in the Senate gym, with the 18 to 1 number, a, a compromise that we reached. But I knew that we weren't finished. Eight years later, we're revisiting this, and we should, to not only deal with those sentenced on 100 to 1, but also to get to the mandatory minimum sentencing for a specific category of crimes. Those who have not engaged in violence, who have been involved in a drug crime and are willing to cooperate with the government. And I think we have, have put together one of the most amazing coalitions I've ever seen, and I've been around this town for a few years. But to think that Grassley and Durbin agree, and then of course Mike Lee, who was here earlier, and Cory Booker agree, but then to put in the Fraternal Order of Police with the ACLU, go figure, the governors, the mayors, the list goes on and on. It's a lot of support, Senator, but not enough yet. Would you be willing personally to negotiate the safety valve provision? You mentioned mandatory minimum sentences about the judge's discretion. Would you be willing, Senator Durbin, to negotiate that aspect and maybe bring some Republicans along? I've before, done it twice. Before he answers that, can I say... Let, that let him answer it. He first. has negotiated way beyond anything I expected he would negotiate. But further negotiations on that. I, I'm, I'm open if it means closing the deal without compromising the principles we stand and fight for. This, I think, is the most important part of it. The safety valve gives discretion to the federal judge, allows him to look to that narrow category of crimes at, to the person who is the criminal defendant and to impose a sentence that is much more realistic and honest. Uh, I want to preserve that by all means, but I'm open to conversation as to how we might do that if it will close the deal. And the deal will be closed when one senator steps up and says it's time. That's Senator Mitch McConnell. What is what I, are you doing before you sure. ask me a question? On the uh, take what, 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 take, what do you want to have from him on uh, the safety valve negotiation? He said he's open to negotiate. Uh, what do you want from him on that? I, I want what he wants. I like. It. Yeah, I want what he wants <laughs> because uh, he has uh, he has worked in good faith with me for four years now. And uh, I'm not going to compromise anything that he won't go along with. Now, a lot of Republicans don't want to hear that, but here's where we are, taken off of the large number of Democrats he supported. So we bring you up to date. We have more than half of our caucus in the Republicans. What does that mean, numbers-wise? Give so, me a number. I'm going to just tell you, half or more. So half is 26. Let's say, uh, let's say 28. Let's say 30. It doesn't matter. Oh. The point is that all the people he has supported it, three of us Republican senators, maybe four of us Republican senators, went to McConnell about a month ago, and he says, show me the numbers. If it gets to be 65 or 70, I'll bring it up. We're there. 
you're confident you're there, 65 or 70 votes right now, with yes. this current version of the legislation. But when are we actually going to see the legislation, Senators? We haven't really seen a text about what this final legislation would be. Yeah. Uh, yesterday. So go find it. Okay. <laughs> So you're not, you're not, that's, the, uh, that's, that's with, your, that's your with, final. With the possible exception of what he said he might do on something else. But I'm going to, so he, he's going to make the decision on that. What I don't understand is if you think the votes are there and Leader McConnell says he would do it if the votes are there, what is the holdup? That's a good question. I, and what's I, the, inside the cloakrooms? What's, oh, what's the holdup? As you can oh. tell, I've got a, a wonderful partner and ally in this. And we trust one another completely. And it took a while to reach that point in the bill. Chuck wasn't a believer at the beginning, but we sat down and worked out something he believed in. And at this point, we have a limited number of days left with uh, obviously the death of the late president has taken away some of our work time. A limited number of days left in this year uh, and a limited number of days for the House in particular. So. Uh, I think we've got to seize this opportunity, and we are ready. We're ready, as Chuck said. This one little change, which may occur at the end here, uh, is an effort to try to close the deal. And that's on the safety valve. On the safety valve. Let me tell you what I hear from leadership, and it isn't just from McConnell, but other Republican leaders. The farm bill. We've got to fund the government. We've got to get more judges done. Let's just look at the last one, because that's a goal that both I and McConnell have had. I think I've delivered pretty well more judges than any previous president has gotten in their first two years. Two new Supreme Court justices. We've worked together on that. So maybe I should have some consideration for that. But beyond that, it seems to me that uh, judges, uh, we're never going to get all the judges done between now and Christmas. They go over till next year. Republicans control the United States Senate. If this bill doesn't get done now, and we work with the Democrat House next year, there's going to be a bill that fewer Republicans will support, fewer chances of getting it done. So we have once in a generation opportunity to accomplish something on criminal justice reform. We should move on it, particularly with the numbers that uh, he promises that if we showed him. What's the rush, though? Is this, is it, do you agree with his conclusion that next year is going to be harder? for this bill to pass well, if the House Democrats I, are making it, trying I, to move it to the left? I agree with Chuck 100%. You seize the moment. Seize the moment. It was eight years ago since we had any meaningful criminal sentencing reform. We are now there with an incredible coalition. I've never seen one like it in my life. I don't know what tomorrow will bring. Uh, and if people want to improve on our work product next year, so, so be it. Does, but let's does that mean they move it to the left? Do you think the Democrats want to move it to the I'm left? I'm not sure year? if it will move at all. When you wait around the Senate, you, you better have some patience if you want to get anything done there. But to wait eight years, I mean, we introduced it, Mike Lee and I originally introduced it five years ago. Chuck joined on uh, four years ago. So, you know, it takes a long time to move things. Don't miss the opportunity, and we have it right now. What do you want President Trump to do? To tweet more? To hold a rally? Well, number one, he did tweet. But he's not uh, tweeting a lot. He's tweeting a lot more about Robert Mueller. Hey, uh, listen, the president could solve all of his problems if he just showed the pre his wife the tweet before he punches a send button. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't we all? But what, do you want him to spend... That's a good, that's a good uh, lesson for all of us. I, but, uh, let me tell you Polit what... Being... He has political capital. Hey, you need it to yeah. get this bill through. What do you need him to do? Well, he's already... I know he's had conversations, both personal and by telephone, with the leader. I don't know what more you can do, 
but if he wanted to help, if he call up this senator or that senator that I can give him the name of and says, you're just about on board. Why don't you declare for this bill? We always talk about Senator Cotton and other conservatives who have problems with the bill, but there are people in the, to the left of you, Senator Durbin, in your party who say some of the, the groups on the left don't like this version of the legislation. Are you worried about some of them, especially if they have presidential aspirations, to maybe say, we can't support this? That's why I didn't predict 100% of our caucus. We have, uh, uh, as Senator Wyden and I say, we're both in the designated driver's caucus. We are the uh, two senators not running for president. And... <laughs> So, the no, others are ruling out Durbin 2020 right now. Yeah. No, there's no Durbin 2020. I can feel the boomlet. Oh, okay. But the uh, <laughs> we we I can't predict 100. percent I wouldn't. But uh, I will tell you to have the overwhelming support, which you heard earlier from some of the people people on the earlier panel uh, on the left, tells me uh, that Cory Booker and I can bring together a substantial majority of Democrats. You keep talking about Senator McConnell as an obstacle to getting the bill to the floor. What about Senator Cotton? He goes on radio show after radio show saying this is soft on crime, and it's it's breaking through at least to some on the right. He got two binoculars a week ago. That doesn't that say something about what he's presenting? So you're saying he's misinformed? I'm saying somebody has looked at what he said and said he's not entirely accurate. What particularly about his assessment bothers you? Um... You're asking me to speak with a person that 95% of the time I might agree with. I'm not going to challenge him. We, you're never going to get 100% of the Republicans. Have you tried to win him over? Have you talked to him no. personally? Why not? Um, I respect him. So you think he's a firm no? What about those on the left? Who are you, who are you trying to work right now, Senator Durbin? No, I think we have good support on the left. And I, you know, I don't have anyone that I'm worried about at the moment, but I, I, you know, I'm not going to give you an absolute number. Uh, I know you would like to hear that. But there are plenty of votes. When you add up the 49 Democrats or 48, 47, whatever it happens to be, with 26 Republicans, look at the numbers. And we both believe that once on the floor and up for a vote, the number will grow. This is an opportunity that hasn't come along for a generation. It's been a generation since there's been any criminal justice legislation passed. And the last time it was passed is part of the problems we're trying to take care of now. If we have a shutdown, though, does that pretty much stop any criminal justice reform from happening? If we have a no. shutdown showdown, can this really happen? I, I still believe I still believe it can happen. There are ways it can even with the shutdown. Yes, I, I pray that doesn't happen. I hope we avoid it. I think we will avoid it, uh, but the negotiations are going to be very delicate between now and, and the end of the next two weeks. But in the meantime, there are ways to move this bill, and Senator McConnell now has adequate time to do it. Two weeks is enough time for him to move this bill in, a, in a, a fairly quick manner. When Senator Schumer goes with Leader Pelosi to go meet with President Trump in a few days, are you confident that criminal justice reform will be part of Senator Schumer's agenda, top of the agenda? I have no doubt that Chuck Schumer's committed to this. And I know that uh, we've talked about it an hour ago. Uh, we've talked about it over and over. He'll do everything he can to move this forward. And let me also say, and I want to add what uh, Chuck said earlier, uh, Jared Kushner's played a critical role in this. He and I have been in constant communication, uh, as he has with Senator Grassley. You can't sit down with Mr. Kushner for more than a few minutes that he doesn't bring up the issue of prison reform, obviously because of his family experience. And he is, he is personally committed to this and has been for a long time. When we convinced him that prison reform wasn't going to move without criminal sentencing reform, 
That's when we put together this package, this winning package. And I want to thank him, uh, though we may disagree on many, many other things. On this particular issue, I think he has been genuine and committed. What can we expect in the future beyond this bill with criminal justice reform? I was with some college students recently. They said if they could ask the senators anything, it would be, would there be any federal action possible in 2019 on marijuana, decriminalizing marijuana on a federal level or legalizing it even? Um, I'm not even going to speculate. I'm dealing with this issue, and if we aren't successful on this issue, anything else you might bring up is going to have an impediment. This is the first step, clearly. What about on drug laws and well, marijuana? Well, I'll tell you what we're finding uh, in state after state, they're making the decision to move forward, uh, making uh, recreational marijuana available. Uh, and each of those states, whether it's Washington, Colorado, or others, is a laboratory of experimentation in terms of the application of this law to real life. What impact will this have on measuring impairment? if we decide that uh, people uh, can use marijuana on a recreational basis. Uh, and I think we're going to learn from it. But there is a wide chasm between the federal government's uh, uh, take on marijuana and the states. I've never seen a division quite like this when it comes to criminal liability, for example, and the use of banks. It goes on and on. I personally feel uh, that we should be encouraging the Food and Drug Administration to do some testing as to whether or not marijuana has a medical application beyond those that seem to be obvious. Uh, people have talked about it uh, for treatment of glaucoma. They've talked about a treatment for epilepsy and things of that nature. Let's get some real serious medical research, not just speculation. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, well, my thoughts go back to your original question to me. Uh, follow on to this would make sure that the tools that this bill provides uh, to reduce recidivism and to make sure that we have fair sentencing. It would be a follow-up from the standpoint of what additional programs or uh, laws are necessary to make sure what we're do talking about right now is actually going to work the way we planned it. We talk about a busy December is clouding the calendar a bit. You're busy at the Judiciary Committee with nominations. It looks like the F Thomas Farr nomination doesn't have the votes. Are you ready as chairman to push those nominations uh, for the federal courts into next year to try to get something done on criminal justice? The answer is yes, because we don't have to deal with the Democratic House of Representatives when we do our human resource job that the Constitution gives the Senate. Uh, and it would be a very legitimate trade-off if time is a factor, and I'm not sure time is a legitimate excuse, but uh, uh, doing uh, two less judges uh, to get a criminal justice reform bill would be a very good trade-off as far as I'm concerned, for the benefit of the president, for the benefit of, uh, of uh, bipartisan compromise, for the benefit of criminal justice reform, uh, and, uh, and everything that that leads to. So what happens this Thursday? Is the Judiciary Committee going to move forward with the nominations? Or uh, we, we can't as long as Flake is not going to vote with us. We're not going to uh, deal with judges that we lose 10 to 11 if they'd otherwise get out 11 to 10, or if some Democrats vote for it, they get out on a bipartisan vote. And some of them will get some bipartisanship. Uh, what do you, how do you see this month playing out with the shutdown at this point? Well, it, it, it remains to be seen if there can be a negotiation over the remaining appropriation bills between the president and Democrats, because we know when it comes to spending bills, many very conservative Republicans won't vote for them uh, in the House of Representatives and in the Senate. So if the president wants to avoid a shutdown, and it's entirely in his hands at this point, 
he needs to sit down and negotiate. The last time that Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer sat down with President Trump, it didn't work out too well. So I hope that uh, it has a better outcome this time. Do you think the president would be willing to settle for $2 billion this year for the border wall or $3 billion, a lesser number? All I can say is between $5 billion and one and six-tenths billion, there ought to be plenty of opportunity to compromise. And that isn't the end of the, uh, of the issue. We're going to have uh, immigration going to be an issue for a long period of time. I'm not saying it should be, but just as a practical matter, we promised to secure the border for so many years, and nobody believes us, until we can show that the border is secure, it seems to me we, uh, that's a necessary forerunner to uh, getting comprehensive immigration reform. Are some outside groups on the left sitting on the sidelines because they don't want to be seen as, they want, want to keep this legislation looking as it is, bipartisan? Yes, uh, and I think that they're telling us privately. They believe it's a step forward. Uh, we have some on the right that feel the same way. They want to be careful that they don't identify with it and scare off the other side. Uh, I think that's thoughtful on their part. And we know that if challenged on an individual basis, they'll tell members that they're supporting this legislation. You know the calendar as well as anyone. Best case scenario, after President Bush's funeral this week, how would it move on criminal justice reform between now and the end of the year? Uh, all I can say is if, the, if McConnell will bring this up, it will pass overwhelmingly, and he can do it in a way, several different ways he can do it to shorten the time that he said it would take. He's told us 10 days. No bill that we've had, maybe one bill in the last three or four years has taken 10 days. This could be done in uh, three or four days real easily. Do you think he actually wants to get this done, Leader McConnell? Do you think he ideologically agrees with it? I've never had him tell me that he was against the bill. I haven't obviously heard him say he was for it, but he has never said he's against it. And on the, on the Democratic side, is Senator Schumer 100% with this? Yes. And he's whipping it? I'm whipping it. You're whipping at, it. At his direction, and uh, he, he gets regular reports. He is, we're doing this together, as we always do when it comes to whipping. Republicans may want more from President Trump on this. Is his lack of involvement on Twitter, uh, in public, about this bill actually helpful with Democrats? Well, let me tell you, his support is very helpful. Let me add that Vice President Pence came to your luncheon, yeah. was it not a week or two ago? Yes. And Spoke on behalf of this bill, uh, he feels very strongly about it. He grabbed me on the floor of the Senate as we're walking through and said, we got to push for this bill. I believe him. I think that uh, both the president and vice president are committed to it. And from the Republican side, I, I agree with Chuck. I think it's a very valuable endorsement to have. Is there a fear, though, among Republicans that they will look soft on crime in 2020 if they somehow support this and it gets painted in a different way by the right over the course of the next two years? Is that really what's driving McConnell from whole... Is that what's holding McConnell back? He doesn't want his vulnerable senators in 2020 to be seen as soft on crime, that the Senator Cotton critique seeps in to the public consciousness. I think that had something to do with not bringing it up in the summer of 2016, because we had a lot of Republican senators up for election that had a primary opposition, and I think that was his reason then. I have not heard that to be a reason now. But that's probably why you need more support from President Trump, right? So the Republican base doesn't react in a negative way. I think that when you stop to think of what public opinion polls show, the broad bipartisan support we have, and all the conservative groups that have come out in support of this, uh, not only the liberal groups, 
I think that tells you more than anything I can tell you that this shouldn't be a political problem for anybody. Speaker Pelosi could likely become speaker again uh, in January if she wins that vote on the floor. Has she given Senate Democrats any assurances that House Democrats will leave this bill alone, that they'll leave the, the agreement alone so it has some oxygen to breathe next year? Well, of course, the ma major decision will be made by Speaker Ryan, uh, at least for the next for now. few weeks. Well, let's say it gets kicked into next year. Well, uh, no, I've not asked for that assurance because we want to get it done this year. We're really focusing on this year. Uh, and I've spoken to Jerry Nadler, uh, Sheila Jackson Lee, and others, uh, and there is strong support uh, for what we put together at this moment. And I want to bring them up to speed on the latest changes, but those changes are not significant in terms of our overall goals. I think that we will have good support among Democrats in the House. It's been pre-conference with Goodlad. Um, they feel that they'll be able to put it on suspension. Takes a two-thirds vote. Uh, so we got a chance once again to do something for the president that he agrees with, bipartisan, bicameral. This is an opportunity we shouldn't uh, let anybody uh, deter us from. Is this a rare moment of bipartisanship, or in 2019 could we see this kind of bipartisanship again on an issue like infrastructure, prescription drugs? I'm just wondering if this is a fleeting thing. No. The work of the Judiciary Committee in the last four years 61 bills, 45, every one of them bipartisan, 45 get through the Senate, 29 have been signed by Republican Democrat presidents. Robert, this is an incredible uh, coalition. I've never seen anything like this in my life. I mean, when you look at left and right, the president and, you know, uh, Durbin, uh, try to figure out some of these couplings here. Uh, it, it is an amazing moment in time. If we can strike this again, whether it's for infrastructure or dealing with prescription drug pricing, whatever it might be, and that's another bill we're working on, uh, to me, that gives us some hope. And isn't that exactly what the American people are asking for? That we sit down and work together to accomplish yeah. something? Uh, not just to generate a headline, but some actual results? I, I think, I hope, if we get this done in, in December, that it sets the stage for even more cooperation next year. Half of your audience probably didn't believe that you could actually have Grassley and Durbin on the same team. <laughs> if they follow closely, they know you've, you two work together. But the clock is ticking, gentlemen, and it's clicking on your legislation. We'll be ticking and we'll be following it closely. I really thank you, Senator Durbin and Chairman Grassley, thank for you. coming to spend some time with us here today at The Washington Post. Please thank the senators for coming. Thank you. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.